calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your, Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Keegan. Madigan. What's up? What's up? So today we are going to talk about something that is kind of near and dear to my heart. I have posted about this in my Instagram stories a few times. Yeah, I have I have a friend that has as well, which is why I was like, this is kind of a hot button topic right now. Let's, let's chat about it. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, I do want to start off by saying that I think Instagram filters can be super fun. And totally. I, I use them and I think that they're fun and I think it's very interesting technology. Um, and I also, because we will be in addition to talking about um, filters and like editing tools, we'll also be touching a little bit on uh, plastic surgery and stuff like that. I am such a proponent for doing whatever you want to your body. Like you, I think autonomy is so important when talking about feminism and having bodily autonomy. We've discussed this many times when we've talked about things that you might have a personal preference for. We talked about it with body hair, um, with, you know, other when we talked about harmful beauty standards and things like that in the past. I have no problem with people doing whatever they want to their body. But I do think that it, we should have a larger conversation right? about maybe why some of these yeah. trends are happening. Well, you know? I was going to say, I think that any choice that you make, you have to make it an educated one, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to your body. If you're going to be having plastic surgery or uh, if you are choosing to, you know, take part in a lot of these apps – and editing your photos and doing things like that. I just think that there's responsibility and education to have to understand why you're doing the things that you're doing or why you want to do the things you're doing to ensure that you're making a healthy decision yes. for yourself yes. rather than making a decision based on something that isn't 
authentic to who you are because we can all make choices and decide in the moment that you know this is the right thing for us but if you consider a lot of other psychological factors that can go into um you know plastic surgery i think plastic surgeons actually have a lot of responsibility in ensuring that their patients are healthy both in a body and in in their mind i do think that that there's always a lot of just educate yourself before you make a decision like this. And then whatever you want to do, however you want to look, is fine. But I also think that there is such, you know, we're living in a world that's becoming more and more and more digital. And, you know, one thing that I read in an article was talking about how, you know, when we were growing up, Keegan, we would compare ourselves Mm -hmm. to the girls in the magazines, to the celebrities, the people that were clearly, quote unquote, above us in a way, unreachable, unattainable in a way, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where now we are comparing each other to our peers. And this is starting younger and younger and younger. So for Mm -hmm. people like you and I, when we can use face filters or if we're, you know, online, we have, we've realized by now that what we see online isn't real all the time. But I do really think that now that younger and younger and younger kids are using social media, are using filters, are playing with these things. Absolutely. Unknowingly, Mm -hmm. there is a message that we're sending as to what what the beauty standard of the moment is. Well, I I mean, mean, yes, and I would say that that goes, yes, of course, a developing mind is far more sensitive um, and we will definitely talk. I have a whole section in my notes dedicated to young people specifically and how this is affecting young minds who are growing up with this imagery all the time because you're right, you and I, yes, there was a unattainable beauty standard or a very difficult to attain beauty standard even whenever we were kids but which was hundreds of years ago oh my god dinosaurs ancient (laughs) ancient history but you know even then it, it yes there was editing photo editing and all of that stuff did exist but it wasn't on the same level that it's on now and I can say even as a millennial grown grown woman old old old, wrinkly decrepit haggard dusty old um you know I can even say that for me it has I have to check myself I have to check myself because these standards when you are constantly looking at yourself through this filter you do forget like you know People are supposed to have pores. That's yeah. normal. That's your skin. Yes. Right? Like it, all of those things are normal. And yet I see them as imperfections and as flaws. Exactly. Very often in myself, in my own posts. Um, you know, and so I know it's a huge problem and it has right. to be. A, a huge problem. Um, so just we really wanted to bring this um, to the forefront to all of you. I know that the majority of our listeners are millennials and Gen Z listeners. So this is especially important information for you to take in. Um, totally. I feel to move through this kind of digital space more safely. Exactly. Um, and just more aware. So I wanted to talk about kind of how this all got started because there's so many apps, there's so many different photo editing, you know, 
things you can download out there. And I mean, I even remember MySpace growing up, like you would turn the contrast like oh, all yes. the way up. No You'd one make had it kind of grainy. No one had noses. The no flash one had- just wiped out all your features, my dude. You would yeah. do you would do flash in a really high angle, mm-hmm. but you'd kind of mm-hmm. put your head down. And then you yeah, would duck lips so your cheekbones look high. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. You got We, you got we your knew angles. how to do the filters without the filters in the MySpace day, like age. You yes. Know? <laughs> yeah, or like the photo booth on the Apple MacBooks when that was huge. Mm-hmm. Like you could take mm-hmm. all the different like black and white and sepia and like the ones that kind of looked like a comic book strip. Or, and- yeah, I mean, they, they call this phenomenon Snapchat dysphoria. Of course, named yeah. after Snapchat because Snapchat was the first to do the, the, the ones that recognize your face but yeah I which i want to that, talk about because it's really interesting how that all came right. about oh yes please but i would also say that before snapchat when instagram came out i mean i was using the like valencia filter which no one almost no one uses the filters anymore on i know instagram, i feel like but um, well they use other apps and then they right. go on instagram yes. yeah they go exactly on FaceTune, they do what they need to do and then they come back yeah it looks more realistic that way but before that, I mean, that's the thing that made I listened to a um, gosh, there was a, a, an old podcast that was basically talking about how companies got their start. And I listened to the episode on Instagram where they were talking about making a photo sharing app. And he was walking on the beach with his girlfriend and he was like, I don't understand why this isn't getting as much traction. Why don't and she was like, well, why don't my pictures look as good as your friend Jeff's? And he was like, well, my friend Jeff puts filters on all of his photos. And that's how they got the idea mm. of making Snapchat with all of the filters built in. Yeah. And people went nuts for that. Like, And I used totally. the same one all the time. The one that I felt like gave me that bright MySpace kind of contrasting yeah. um, look. Because it does. It smooths everything out. It makes you look really good. And I look back on those pictures now from 2010 and a cringe. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But You're like, what was time, I thinking? Oh, yeah. At the time, right. it was it was the standard, you know. So Snapchat was originally called Peekaboo, but it's P-I-C-A-B-O-O. And got onto the App Store in July 2011 with their creator, Evan Spiegel. I just said that really weird because I completely worded that funny in my notes and I just kind of said it as I went. So that's not how a normal person talks. Um, Okay, but the technology used for Snapchat came from a Ukrainian startup company called Luxury, which specializes in facial tracking, face modification, and bandwidth optimization technologies, I'm using big words today, (laughs) for real-time videos. And Snapchat acquired Luxury in 2015 for $150 million. So they get all of their facial recognition stuff is from this Ukrainian startup. Which I remember... At the time, whenever those became big, I mm-hmm. actually went, I'll try and find the picture. And if I find it, I'll, I'll send it to you. But the year that the Snapchat like filters came out and there was like the dog one that had yep. the tongue that would come out, I went as a real life Snapchat dog like, filter um, for Halloween. I love it. I and think a lot of people would do fun little yeah, filter like, things like yes, that. That's I, a good idea. One, the one with the crying rainbows was a big was a big one as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I remember people having concerns at that time about 
<laughs> about like, hey, you all are just using your face. Uh, you're giving this data or this yeah. data to this company. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows what they're going to do with it? That was a really big thing. And a reason why at first I like was kind of skeptical of using it. But then I'm like, oh, I, I was and I was like, take my face. It's uh, well, fine. <laughs> I, I think I was probably skeptical for a few minutes because I'm like, I use my phone. Like you're tracking me all the time anyways. Mm-hmm. Like if you really wanted to find me, you can find me. So I might as but well it is, give it is you my weird. face. It's, it's a weird thing to think about how normalized it's become that it we is. use our face to open our phones now. To purchase things. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yes. I think about mm-hmm. that whenever I buy anything on Amazon and it just uses my face ID and I'm like, well, shit. Like, that's Mm -hmm. wild. So then Instagram introduced what we were just talking about, what they called lenses, which was that first kind of initial, you know, the dog and the rainbow face and all that kind of stuff. And that was a way to augment reality to integrate 3D rendered elements into the camera picture. I'm sounding real smart today. So Facebook was starting to feel a little bit inadequate. They felt like they had some catching up to do. So no, Mark Zuckerberg feeling inadequate? He no. was feeling a little insecure at this time. So he actually reached out to Snapchat twice and they turned down that offer both times. Um, but anyways, Instagram would go on to launch their stories feature in 2016, which was basically the same as Snapchat stories. Oh, it which killed Snapchat. Killed, killed Snapchat. Them. But I yeah. remember, I remember the first Instagram story I ever made was like, this is stupid. They're copying Snapchat. And now I'm like, Snapchat who? <laughs> well, it was twofold. Not that our listeners want to want a history lesson on this, but it was it was twofold. It was that Instagram gave us the same feature and yeah. Snapchat at the same time. Do you remember they completely changed their entire format? Yeah. When I was I like, could I not don't understand things. how this works. That's true. So I'm going to stop using it and just go to Instagram. I probably would have kept using Snapchat if it had continued to work the way that I thought it would. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the two companies really were kind of at war with each other to the point where they were releasing shit like within the same day. So just hours after Snapchat debuted debuted their first world lenses in 2017, Facebook introduced camera effects, which would later be renamed Spark AR, which was expanded to Instagram. Now, Spark AR is available to everybody. So that is why you see people on Instagram that can like create their own filters and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And this actually became like a really big, almost like money-making tool for people because the way to become an influencer is to get followers. And if you make a filter that people like, in order to get the filter at first, you had to follow that person to be able to get the filter that they made. So this was helping people kind of gain... Grow their presence. Their presence Mm -hmm. on Instagram as well through creating these different filters and things like that. So it kind of create It kind of went into that whole, like, influencer culture as well. Yeah, I mean, and I think that that kind of directly leads to where filters ended up in that, like, we're talking about when Snapchat first launched, like, it was fun, like, right? Like, it was doggies. It was doggies. It was like rainbow vomit emojis with giant eyes. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. There was a cat too, right? Oh, the big mouth one was my Mm -hmm. favorite. I used that one, I think, where your eyes were big and then you had the really big teeth. And you had like no nose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, but that's what we were looking at. It was like, it was silly stuff. It was like a funhouse mirror almost. You know what I mean? Right. What's happened since then um, is that 
most of the filters that you will now find on like Instagram, for instance, are beautification filters. I kind of accredit that to Facetune. I feel like it's almost like Instagram took like Snapchat's like fun kind of quirkiness. And then when they opened it up to everybody being able to kind of create their own thing, it almost kind of became this like free Facetune app because Facetune has been around since March of 2013 but that was you had to pay like four dollars for it and then it turned into like a subscription thing and all this stuff so like people like you and I didn't want to spend four dollars I mean I'm sure a lot of people did I never got Facetune or anything like that I I have Facetune yeah I've used what? it what no yes Keegan don't yes. do it why I've used it. I mean, because it was part of the culture. I mean, it was just like I got it years and years ago when that was it was before Instagram filters, actually. Yeah. Like I got. Yeah. This is back in 2013. Yeah. Before Instagram filters. And it was the thing. And so here's here's what I'm going to say. I would attribute the situation less to Facetune. Facetune, I think, is absolutely a culprit. And more to celebrity culture, where yeah. these people were having their pictures professionally edited, yeah, and presented as though they were these like candid photos, or I'm just out to lunch, or whatever. And it set this really weird standard of beauty where you were like, "Is that what I'm supposed to look like if I go to brunch with my friends?" Well, like, that's exactly that what the a point. Person's supposed to look like, yeah. It's like, is this what my meal is supposed to look like, even with food photos and everything? You know, there is like such a high level of comparison when you're looking at, yes, celebrity culture. But again, I mean, I think of some of my friends that look like you know their Instagram profile is perfect, like it's aesthetically pleasing. It's perfectly edited photo I edited photos. <laughs> I I don't care enough to do that. Like I just don't give a shit. Well, but okay, all right. Also, to to just play devil's advocate here. I also want to say that like our where we live in Los Angeles and the industry that we are in, social media matters. Like it absolutely matters. I've gone on auditions where they've asked about it. They definitely check to see um there are castings that won't take you if you don't have a certain amount of people following it's so you. so fucking um, stupid and it makes me so mad. It's, YouTubers it's can't act. Sorry. It's incredibly frustrating. It's very frustrating. But with that said, I have a tremendous amount of empathy because there was a time that that was the reason I was trying to grow my social media presence. I've and totally probably, done that. It's probably the reason why I got Facetune at that time was because you are expected to have this certain level of presentation on social media in order to gain followers, in order to get opportunities. And so I feel like and that's it's so hard much for me to judge. I don't want to do that. Yes, of course. And, it, and as we will discuss, it is very damaging. And yeah. so, but, but with that said, it is hard for me to judge individuals who do that because... I know that, especially in certain industries, that is what is expected of you. Totally. And but there, but it almost seems like it's being expected of everybody. Like, if I go on, right. like, my 14-year-old cousin's Instagram, and she's got, like, over 2,000 followers and everything, you know, I just think that there is this, like... Well, everything trickles down is the yeah, thing. Yeah. That's just, what happens. It isn't is it's expected just the higher well, echelon of people. It's everybody trying to reach that same... Standard. Now, because it's aspirational content, right? Yeah. So it's just like, 
we see it from the the highest of the highs people who have 23 million followers like you know kylie jenner and then you see it kind of moving down and then you see it with actor friends who have yeah. maybe you know fifteen thousand followers and so you are aspiring to want that level of success right and also for social media oftentimes followers means opportunities means dollars totally right? like there are people whose lives rely they on make this money totally yes. so to me i i have the understanding that like it 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 sucks because it's a double edged sword in that like of course we need this to stop because it's going down a very very dangerous route yeah. as far as like these these incredibly unattainable standards of beauty that are causing a lot of harm but on the other side of it the culture is telling you you're not going to succeed if you don't do this thing if you're in certain industries right or you're not going to be popular if you're in high school or you know yeah and so it's it's hard for people I think yeah I think that it's I really wish that there were more people I mean I love the celebrities that just post random shit you know that Mm -hmm. don't have to you know fix everything up and look a certain way I just for me like I I hope and I wish that more people could aspire to be more like that and be them be their own authentic selves online I think for me that's the saddest thing is that there there's such a wall that we're putting up then between reality and our online personas that's not letting people see who we are and that's what's upsetting to me and I'm not just talking about and I'm not just talking about like you know filters on your stories Mm -hmm. you know because that's it's such a bigger thing when it comes to you know just your online persona in general um because for me like we said like the filters to me are fun they're funny like that I don't think you know I I don't want to put all of the weight on just that alone but I do think that there needs to be more representation of people going against that grain in order for it to change instead of just saying, oh, well, it's just the way it is. Oh, no, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. I think, though, the issue becomes like, and, and this is part of a bigger conversation about the damage, the damaging effects of social media just in general. Right. Um, even for myself, I don't want to post all of my saddest most vulnerable moments of course not um or, <laughs> or my most either. right my most real moments on instagram and so what can happen then is that people assume that your life is a certain way yep because you're only posting certain things um and you're only posting yourself looking a certain way and i do think there's power in being able to control your story totally um but on the other side of that yeah you're right i mean it does present you with this false reality in which yeah. we think that it's not people it's not are, letting people in you know right but i don't know how to remedy that because i can't tell other people to to let people in when i don't want to do it uh, totally <laughs> you know? I, well and i think there's levels to that i'm not you know i definitely think that there's a culture of like oversharing online where i have been guilty of that in the past especially in high school oh my god i would set my facebook oh, status oh my like madigan is vague booking vague bored. booking all day yeah mm-hmm. you know like whatever keegan so. is mad that some people decided not to call her tonight you know like yeah. just vague really cringy posts i have yes. so many yes. if i go into my memories just says Madigan hates her dad. <laughs> oh, God. 
okay so let's like I, I think that that was all very valuable yes, conversation yes. around let's, the world of social media but let's talk a little bit about what has now been dubbed snapchat dysphoria yeah it's, uh, or sorry snapchat dysmorphia dysmorphia um, by, by medical journals yeah that, so it was actually a British plastic surgeon by the name of Tijan Esho who first dubbed that concept saying it can be argued that these apps are making us lose touch with reality because we expect to look perfectly primped and filtered in real life. And I find it, you know, I want to point out that this was a plastic surgeon because this plastic surgeon was beginning to see people bringing in filtered photos of themselves from Instagram. And I can't remember what the word they used was. It was like, uh, it was some fun kind of like tweakster they had some sort of word for tweakments yeah tweakments tweakments. okay I couldn't remember what it was Mm -hmm. called um where essentially it's like they just want a little here a little there a little here but what people aren't realizing is that you know what you're seeing what seems like small adjustments on your phone are actually very major and at times impossible procedures to actually be done to make you look exactly like you would on that photo. And that's where you're getting into people who are then getting dissatisfied with the treatments they're receiving or dissatisfied with their responses. So plastic surgeons are starting to feel more of a responsibility um, in particular for uh, monitoring their clients that may be showing symptoms of body dysmorphic disorder. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit. Surveys carried out by the American Academy of Facial Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery show an increase in cases linked to patient selfies. In 2015, 42% of patients said they wanted surgery to improve their image in selfies. Um, And that figure rose to 55% in 2017. Um, And this is a separate issue than actually taking your selfie in and showing it, which has has been a more recent phenomenon. Right. But in, in... you know, in addition to that, you also had people specifically saying, I want to look better in the selfies that I take that I post on social media. Right. And when we talk about Snapchat um, dysmorphia, um, we'll also talk a little bit later. I have a whole section on uh, Instagram face. Yeah. But it is essentially the same thing. It's usually big, bright, often upturned eyes, prominent lips, lifted cheekbones, and a thin nose. And there's also a very interesting racial component uh, to totally this the beauty Instagram standard face, yeah, to this beauty standard that now exists. If you notice that every single Instagram model looks the same everyone looks the same and it's all this kind of very racially ambiguous kind of appearance yeah um and these these issues do lead to body can lead to body dysmorphic disorders so the journal of the american medical association jama which i just like that (laughs) um warns that the phenomenon of snapchat or Instagram face um, is giving way to new self-esteem problems that can lead to body dysmorphic disorder and body dysmorphic disorder is characterized by excessive concern for body image in a rational perfection about your body. In addition to symptoms of anxiety and other psychiatric problems. Yeah. So it is actually related. It's on the spectrum of obsessive compulsive disorder. I was diagnosed with body dysmorphic disorder when I was going through my eating 
eating disorder. So a lot of this uh, was not realizing that I was going to be like identifying with so much that I was researching about because we were talking about filters. But um, obviously body dysmorphic disorder is something that um, has affected me very greatly in my life, has affected my relationships for years and things like that. Um, So I do want to talk a little bit about the signs and the symptoms of them really quickly because I do think that though, you know, they say one in 50 Americans will suffer from BDD in their lives, that number is likely much, much higher because it's a very isolating and secretive disorder. You know, all of these eating disorders are. So it's hard to get uh, valid statistics on all of this stuff. So I do think it is important to be able to detect uh, within your friends and your family and your loved ones if they may be suffering from this. Those suffering from BDD are preoccupied with at least one non-existent or slight defect in physical appearance. This can lead them to fixating on the problems throughout most of their day, impacting their social, occupational, and other levels of functioning. So for example, for me, I avoided dinner plans at all costs. And if I had to go to a restaurant, it was absolute torture. I would make excuses to leave friends' houses early. I would spend long times in the bathroom. I was entirely obsessed with mirror checking to the point where to this day I won't own a full-length mirror. I just don't need that in my life anymore. Um, You know, there's and there's so much shame that goes into that as well because you don't want others to know that you're obsessing about this either. Um, Another symptom can be obsessively needing reassurance from somebody that their appearance is okay, that something looks fine on them. So those are all just things to kind of be aware of. And I think to, you know, potentially just have conversations with your loved ones if you're seeing them suffer from any of these things. Well, and it can be really difficult as well because the statistics do play out that, most people see themselves differently than how they are. Right. It's just part of our human nature. Yes. Um, we see we see those things that we perceive to be as flaws that are imperceptible to other people. Other yeah. people do not look at you like that. But we live in a society, especially now, um, and especially during lockdown, actually, I was going to bring this up at the end, but um, especially during lockdown, when we've had nothing else to do, the screen time on apps like Instagram, uh, Snapchat, Zoom, these apps have even. Zoom, and Zoom actually has a touch up my appearance option. Yeah, um, that is basically a, a real life filter that it w- will put on. Well, I read but an article had- today that was saying that staring at the, at yourself in Zoom meetings, like that's causing people to have a lot of self esteem issues. Of course, from looking oh, at yeah, themselves all day, and I I'm, can totally I feel that. On I am on, I am in meetings, no joke, hours a day. I am in meetings. That sounds awful. Every day for hours. And you can, you can see yourself. Um, I, if I don't have to turn my camera on, I won't turn my camera on. Um, but Facetune's parent company, Light Tricks, reported that as social distancing began, use of its apps increased 20%. Plus, people spent more than 25% more time than usual editing their videos. Um, That's on top of Facetune's already outsized influence. Uh, To give an idea, in late 2018, the company also reported 100 plus million downloads across its app. So it was, and that was up by 20%. So, during lockdown, we have had a lot of time to do nothing but look at ourselves, be on social media, and f- 
hyper fixate on our f- perceived flaws. Yeah. And I also feel like during the pandemic when there's I feel like there's not a lot of great news for people to share. I've posted way less this year on just my regular feed than I normally would because I'm Me like, too. there's not going as, anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. There's not as many memories I want to share. You know, it's, it's a different kind of reality. So I feel like you know, especially for me right now, I look at myself in the mirror and I don't really like what I see. I have horrible dark circles under my eyes. You know, uh-huh, I just feel same. really pale. So if I want to post something online, I don't want to highlight the fact that I feel like I look not great. So, you know, what I, like, I understand where people are coming from with like, especially right now where they probably feel not so great about themselves because I mean, nobody's getting I, dressed up. Nobody's, you, and I were you know, just talking about that. Like, I'm not I, I haven't gone. I, I literally have not gone anywhere this week. We're recording on a Thursday. I have not gone anywhere. I went I walked out my front door to get the mail on Tuesday. That is the only thing I have done that has required me leaving my house at all. I literally and, dress cute to drive Postmates. I mean, I just cute if I'm going anywhere because like that's just if I'm going anywhere, it is a full beat because like that is the highlight of my life at that moment. And you are like you are impressive to Keegan because when you put on a face of makeup, you are so good at it that like when I do it, like it doesn't have the same effect. Like I can't I put makeup on for the first time a couple weekends ago and I couldn't stop staring at myself in my front facing camera because I'm like, I'm so pretty. Like I put concealer on under my eyes and stuff. But like I wish I had your skills thank you so much but sometimes it just feels good to want to look good whether that's what whatever that means for you mm-hmm. whether it's like doing your hair in a cute style or putting on a cute outfit and we are just so wearing jeans instead of sweatpants you know right we have so little occasion to do that right now that of course when I'm not used to looking at myself like this day in and day out because normally I would be going into the office I would be putting on um a cute outfit and I would be you know putting on makeup and doing my hair regularly and I'm not now and so yes of course I feel like a potato like that is just (laughs) how it is right now so I understand why the insecurities might be higher than normal however in addition to BDD um, there is more danger in these beautification filters than just that. Um, It can lead to self-image and also self-esteem issues. If you get used to seeing yourself through this distorted image through a filter, um, you can develop a dissociative disorder in which you no longer recognize yourself in a photograph that has not been retouched. Can you Um, imagine? That sounds horrifying to me. I mean, I'll tell you, whenever I watch or go to these some of these Instagrams like Beauty False or Celeb Face, which are Instagram accounts that consistently point out the fact that essentially celebrities don't look the way you think they look. Because yeah, yeah. It's not it's not attainable in real life. Like uh-huh. these digital beauty standards, Kylie Jenner does not look like Kylie Jenner in real life no. because all these pictures are edited. Right. Um, when I look at these things, sometimes the difference. Between them and Khloe Kardashian comes to mind. Definitely. Is so so drastic to me that it makes me wonder if maybe she, and I'm not trying to armchair diagnose anyone. No, but but it's an interesting. I think it could be an example of this like dissociative disorder where like you you don't even feel like you look like yourself unless you edit it within an inch of its life. You know, I think Khloe Kardashian 
is an interesting example. And like like you said, we're not trying to like diagnose anyone here, but I do think it's an interesting thing to look at because I actually did see a photo this week where it was an image of, you know, Khloe Kardashian on Instagram and Khloe Kardashian in real life. And I feel like for Khloe especially, she has had a lot of um you know, a lot of horrible things said to her about her weight and her uh-huh. appearance compared uh-huh. to her other family yep. members. So yeah. I do see, you know, where society has put so much pressure on her in particular where I could understand if, if she's feeling that way or if, if, if there is some sort of, like, dissociation between the way that the world sees her and the way or that the way you she see, wants to be seen by the world. Yeah, yeah, and the way that and what at the end of the day when you're washing your face and you look at yourself in the mirror having to kind of like come to terms with that, you know, it really it it does lead to so many different potentially harmful things that that we do to ourselves and like we said in the beginning if we're not taking the time to actually check in with ourselves as to why we're making these decisions and why we want to do these things and we just go and do them that's where we're further psychologically damaging ourselves you know and I I, I've seen a lot of like I think it was it's probably Oprah and I didn't look at any of this for research but I know I've seen a lot of videos of people where you know they've dealt with things like this and they've had plastic surgery you know and i know this is very uncommon i'm sure people that have plastic surgery for the, the most part are satisfied with what they've done but i have heard stories of people where they'll go in and get a completely different look and be obsessed with plastic surgery and then years oh, later yes. after they've kind of healed themselves internally missing the way that they looked before you know and I think that's when it's important and and where plastic surgeons do have a responsibility I actually read that a lot of plastic surgeons are talking about um giving out a BDD questionnaire in the waiting room just to kind of like check symptoms and things like that so they know what they're dealing with with each client when they come in and to be able to properly advise them on their surgical needs which I think is Mm -hmm. so smart I agree. I agree. Um, But so in addition to BDD and also, you know, a possible dissociative disorder, you could also develop a dysmorphophobic disorder um, in which you feel like you cannot keep up with the digital image. Mm. And I also feel like oftentimes probably a lot of these things coexist at the same time. Um, You know, and that would make sense to me if, if you were feeling a lot of those things where you are... I, I can't imagine. I feel like this happens probably a lot with online dating. I think I've seen a, a bit of it through my other podcast. We dodged such a bullet <laughs> from Not like the online be, dating world. Yes, um, but you know what? I knew people who got catfished on on MySpace. That's so. true. That's true. It's been <laughs> but, around forever. But, but yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the pressure of posting photos that don't look like you because you feel like you have to. Because you're going to show up for the right, day, and then sh- and then showing up and feeling like you're not going to live up to your digital totally persona. Yeah, you know. Um, let's talk a little bit about the effects on young people. Yes, shall we? let's do it. 
So the social pressure to fit into these unrealistic standards of beauty can be especially harmful to vulnerable groups such as adolescents. Social media has been linked with increased rates of anxiety, depression, and poor sleep. 91% of 16 to 24-year-olds use the internet for social networking. No no surprise there. Yep. Rates of anxiety and depression among that group have increased by 70% in the past 25 years. Now... Some of that could be due to the destigmatization of mental health. Uh-huh. Um, but still, that is a huge percentage. Yes. La- last year, the Royal Society for Public Health, um, which is a British charity, found that all of the social media platforms, photo sharing apps such as Instagram and Snapchat, were the most detrimental to the mental health of young people who find themselves feeling less successful, less happy, and less beautiful than other people. Yeah. I mean, it it really is, and, and I mentioned this earlier, it's amazing the acceleration in younger people struggling with these self-esteem and body image issues, it's getting younger and younger because it's more accessible to, you know, younger and younger groups. I mean, even before kids have an Instagram themselves, like I used to play with filters with little kids oh, all yeah, the time because, because it's fun. and oh, it yes. kills time when you're a nanny. You're like, here, play with these fun face filters, you know. But there was an article in the Journal of Eating Disorders where they found that more adolescent girls engaged in photo editing, the more they worried about their bodies and dieting. So when it's already something that culturally girls in particular, younger and younger, are becoming more and more aware of their body image and their self-esteem, having social media play a part in that is becoming more and more dangerous to how young girls see themselves before their brains are even fully developed, you know? Yes. And it has um, been linked, also social media has been linked to increased rates of um, suicide, which of course makes sense whenever there are increased rates of anxiety and depression in young people. Um, According to a recent American Medical Association paper, doctors have seen increasing numbers of young people wanting cosmetic surgery in order to more closely resemble uh, filtered doctored photos of themselves that they post online. Dr. Jasmine Fardley from the Department of Psychology uh, at Macquarie University, Australia, has done a large amount of research into the links between body image and social media use. Quote, People have always wanted to present themselves in the best way, in the best possible light when, say, they meet new people. But social media provides an environment where you can really control how you come across. You can carefully curate a version of yourself that's very idealistic. And this results in, end quote, uh, and Mm -hmm. this results in what has been termed spiral envy where we compete with our peers by presenting increasingly unrealistic versions of ourselves, creating an airbrushed online environment that is increasingly divorced divorced from reality. Yeah. So, I mean, and it just stacks on top of each other. It just, it just keeps piling up when this happens because everybody starts doing it and then you start thinking, this is how people look. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, this is just how everybody looks. I read an article from October 2019 from the BBC, which was interesting to me because they were saying that Instagram was banning effects that make people look like they have had lip injections, fillers, yes. or a facelift, mm-hmm. which is obviously not true because Correct. I just used what is called the pillow face. The pillow face. I did filter. that one as well. I highly suggest 
uh, that you record yourself with that filter and ask someone in your life if they would still love you if you looked like that and just get your reaction. But you know what? <laughs> I'm they not trying still to love you. <laughs> they should if you look like that. Okay. Well, and there's nothing um, wrong with that. It was funny. There was actually I saw a TikTok where a woman used that filter and she looked exactly like Jennifer Coolidge, and Jennifer Coolidge is gorgeous. So that's not to say <laughs> that like you're obviously like you're not ugly when you use it, but. Uh, Max was legit terrified when I showed him last night. <laughs> Anthony doesn't like it either. Yeah, I know. My mom yeah. was like, take that off your face when I sent it to her. <laughs> like, she was very upset in the text message. I was like, geez, mom's funny. But you know what? Some people are happy that way. So you do you. That's um, what I'm going to say. Like, this isn't me saying that, like, it's an unattractive whatever on me. For me, yes. It's you, horrifying. It's not, your, it's not your jam, Yeah, man. it's not. I, I am totally with you. I felt the same way. I did it, and I was just like, I'm going to save this as a reminder yeah. not to overdo it with the filters, you know, or with the fillers. You yeah, know? but it's but interesting. I will say... No, sorry, you go. Oh, yes. No, I was just going to say... It's very clear to me that Snapchat did the bare minimum. I think they were, they, they or not Snapchat, Instagram did the bare minimum in that when they said they were going to remove filters that were plastic surgery filters, they removed ones that explicitly were like, we're going to show Sharpie on your face that and, outlines and where bruising. you would get surgery. Yeah. Right. We're going to remove those. But like, yes, I mean, 90% of the filters that exist on Instagram are going to lift your jaw up and your eyes up and they're going to make your lips bigger and they're going to make your nose smaller. Like, yeah. They're all going to do that. And the fact that you also have the ability for any user to create whatever filter they want, I would imagine that moderating that would be very difficult. Um, but Instagram, which obviously is run by Facebook, during that time was trying to promote the well-being of their users. And there was... They don't care about you. Let me tell you that right now. They Mark don't. Zuckerberg doesn't give a fuck. Well, no. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, a, a lot of different creators have different opinions uh, on, you know, whether or not this is even going to work or not. It's taking away these filters is no. going to make a difference. And so they're a creator by the name of Daniel Mooney told BBC uh, they have a, an app called Fix Me. And they said Fix Me was only ever supposed to be a critique of plastic surgery, they said, showing how unglamorous the process is with the markings and bruising. So like we said, it was a very obvious, uh, you know, surgical markings and bruising mm -hmm. kind of filter. He also says that while he sees where Instagram is coming from, he doesn't think removing these filters will do much to promote the well-being of his users. He says as long as some of the most followed accounts on Instagram yeah. are of heavily surgically improved people, removing surgery filters won't really change that much. And and this right. is, but I, I do understand that there is kind of like a split dichotomy here because yes, it's not going to change everything. But, you know, there were other things that I read within that BBC article where they said something that kind of rubbed me the wrong way where people assume that girls using filters are just, quote, girls having fun. You know what I mean? Which well, kind I, of I takes away from, both. you know. I, I think it can be both. Like you and I said, like, there's a difference to me between someone using a filter because I've seen celebrities using obvious filters or maybe not so obvious filters, the more subtle ones, which yeah. are far more insidious, in fact, um, and, and denying that they have beauty filters on their videos or whatever. But then you have you have celebrities like Demi Lovato came under fire for taking a, a video where she was getting her makeup done and she had a filter on. 
But it was very obvious that she had a filter on. Yeah. It was one of those that was very obvious. And to me, that was her having fun. Totally. That was her being silly. Yeah. And I think that that's different. You know. Yeah. There is an interesting tweet that was in this article where, and it was an anonymous thing. It didn't credit this person. But this person says, has Instagram considered me and what I'm supposed to do when I'm having a bad day where I look more clapped than normal? Old haggard witches need to look stunning, too. <laughs> No, <laughs> which that made I mean, me laugh. Valid. But yeah, it's totally valid. But uh, something interesting off of what you said, as far as you know, celebrities doctoring their photos and things like that. In September of 2020, there was a conservative member of Parliament by the name of Dr. Luke Evans who proposed a new law which could ban celebrities from posting doctored photoed images without declaring that they have modified them. Which I don't think is that bad of an idea if there's just like even a little symbol or something that has to be put on where it's just like. This has been doctored. You know, it doesn't have to be obvious. I believe in the UK, you also, in ads, like say in a makeup ad at CVS, it has, there has to be like a small disclaimer on the bottom that says if there's been digital retouching on that photo. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree with that. Now, when it comes to photography, photography has always been, you, you have always edited photos. Well, yeah, so and that's part of the art of it too, you know? Right, and so, and so for me... I, I feel like that's a little different. Yeah. You know, doing a digital retouch of a photo. But I think there's a is difference. Is a little different than than fully putting on a filter or, or doctoring your face in Facetune to the point where you don't yeah. look well, like yourself And they anymore. are saying posting doctored images and declaring not to have modified them, which I think oh, is okay. just... Oh, okay. So doing like hashtag no filter when you have done it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Although I love, I love putting on very, very obvious filters on my stories and then hashtagging them no filter because it's just fun. I know it is funny. Um, okay, so there is a wonderful New Yorker article. Um, it's very long, but it is very, very good um, by Gia Tolentino called "The Age of Instagram Face: How Social Media, Facetune, and Plastic Surgery Created a Single Cyborgian Look." Um, and it basically talks about the birth of Instagram models and online celebrities. Um, that has kind of sprouted this idea of Instagram face. And you know what? The best example I can give for you is go to the Fashion Nova website. <laughs> I'm going to do it right now. And I'm looking at pictures of the Instagram face right now. Right, right. Go to Fashion Nova. Um, look at Fashion Nova's website. I used to buy clothes from there, although they're kind of a shady company. But every girl on oh there. Oh, my gosh. Back, mm -hmm, they all look like um, they look like bachelor contestants. All of them. Right, and their bodies are <laughs> completely unrealistic for yeah. the most part. I mean, maybe 1% of the population actually has a body that looks like that. Definitely. Um, and every Instagram model kind of looks like this. Definitely. Like they kind of resemble this very filled face, very, no, very smooth. Very pouty lips, the big, big mm -hmm. eyes. Big where boobs, for me, like big hips, small waist. Yeah, I have none of that I have t tiny eyes and tiny lips <laughs> which is why I'm always like they would never even pick me to be on the bachelor like I don't have the face for it 
Well, I loved the description, which I also, first of all, let me just say, I don't, I don't think that's true because I feel like Kendall from a few seasons ago who was with Grocery Joe, I feel like she's very girl next door. Gorgeous. But I kind of feel that way about Katie from Matt season two, who's going to be the bachelorette. I'm so excited. She's got kind of a more girl next door vibe to her. But yeah, for the most part, when I look at like the winners on that show, I'm like, you have to be an Instagram model to like be considered well, to be a winner. Well, because that's what... That's what has come to be expected as the norm, the standard. Um, I loved the description that she uses in this article. She says, the gradual emergence among professionally beautiful women of a single cyborgian face. It's a young face, of course, with poreless skin and plump high cheekbones. It has cat-like eyes and long cartoonish lashes. It has small... it has a small, neat nose and full, lush lips. It looks at you. Co- it looks at you coyly but blankly, as if its owner has taken half a clonopin and is considering <laughs> asking you for a private jet ride to Coachella. The face is distinctly white but ambiguously ethnic. It suggests a National Geographic composite illustrating what Americans will look like in 2050. <laughs> if every American. If every American of the future were to be a direct descendant of Kim Kardashian West, <laughs> Bella Hadid, Emily Ratajkowski, and Kendall Jenner, who looks exactly like Emily Ratajkowski, it's like a sexy baby tiger. Kara Craig, a high-end New York colorist, observed to me recently. And I was like, that is the most perfect description. Everyone looks the same. Yeah. It is a vaguely exotic ethnically ambiguous face but still comfortably white so as not to piss anyone off right you know like it's 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 interesting but there was a um, dermatologist shireen idris who said it's a scary phenomenon as it has become a a subconscious request that comes in daily through my practice patients nitpick their features apart and ask for a face that belongs to no one but looks like everyone on social media yeah and i think that that is so perfectly worded in that like nobody looks like this yeah but you think that everybody looks like this because this is what you're seeing everyone look like on social media yeah and i mean as like as humans are like we are naturally going to compare ourselves we are naturally going to want to be the best which creates such a competitive culture and I think just raises the dangers of beauty standards even higher than ever before yes I agree um and it's it's scary and it's also weirdly racial oh yes so there's an entire racial aspect of Instagram face so this is also from that article Uh uh-huh there was something strange I said about the racial aspect of Instagram face. It was as if the algorithmic tendency to flatten everything into a composite of greatest hits had resulted in a beauty ideal that favored white women capable of manufacturing a look of rootless exoticism. Absolutely, celebrity makeup artist Colby Smith said, we're talking an overtly tan skin tone, a South Asian influence with the brows and eye shape, uh-huh. an African American American influence with the lips, uh-huh. a Caucasian influence with the nose, a, tre- a cheek structure that is predominantly Native American and Middle Eastern. So it's yeah. this kind of like, and and that is 
extremely hard to attain. It is. Naturally, uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah, well, and what's interesting is, like, I remember, and I'm sure this is something that you were very aware of growing up as well, but I remember, like, a very, very common... I don't even want to call it a joke, but, you know, guys making comments about black women's lips and how that was like a uh-huh. negative thing. That was like mm-hmm. it was thing. It was something that was made fun of when I was younger. Until Angelina Jolie did it. And then all of a sudden people were like, oh, how hot? How hot is this? And mm-hmm. now every white woman wants big lips, you know, and that's just mm-hmm. an interesting thing where. It's the other thing where our beauty, our beauty standards change so much. So that's also why it's like you're never going to catch up. You're never going to catch up because our bodies are not meant to morph and change. You know, in the 90s, it was the 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 stick skinny, you know, cast of Ally McBeal. That was the standard, you know, where today it's it's more the Kardashian standard. There's Uh no way that we could attain both of those in our lifetime healthfully. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. But I I think that's why so many people tend to fixate on the face. Yes. Right? Because these tweakments are oftentimes, they're Botox, they're fillers. Yeah. So these are not permanent solutions. These are things that you can wait till it dissolves. Yeah. Right? You can wait till it goes away on its own, provided you don't have any complications, Mm -hmm. which some people do. Um, But... People don't feel like it's as serious as having plastic surgery, right? Well, because medically it's not as serious. It's not as invasive, right? So like when we were growing up, it was like if you wanted to change anything, it was like you were going to have to get a facelift. Yeah. Like you're going to have to go under the knife. Whereas like now you can get fillers in your nose to quote unquote correct a bump in your nose. Oh my God. Or, or any of anything that you want to do. Now granted, this shit is not cheap. It's cheaper than plastic surgery, but it is not cheap and you have to continually do it every however many months in order to continue to see those results and those effects. That sounds exhausting. Um, it, it does. And again, listen, I am not sitting in a place of judgment at all. As a woman in my 30s now, I have seen fine lines creep up on my forehead. Oh, yeah. We talked you know. about it recently, how both of us yes. were like, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to a little Botox, but I do. Yeah. I, I just, you know, especially when I talk about anything to do with appearances All I want to do is encourage people over and over and over again that once you are satisfied with yourself in any condition, then I feel like it is okay to make those changes. It is important for you mentally to be able to make sound decisions for yourself because I do see, you know, for me, it it worries me a lot with just, I can't imagine what mm -hmm. I, if I was still struggling like I was in my late teens and 20s, I can't imagine what this culture would have done to me. It would have destroyed me. It would have destroyed me. As a teenager, this would, I was so insecure already about my, my features that I did not think were, um, because they weren't like the beauty ideal right. of the time when I was a teenager. If I had had this kind of access to everybody else's life um, and what everybody else was doing, and if I was told so consistently and nonchalantly by my favorite TikTokers and YouTubers that these these tweakments, these little going to the jo- doctor for a little nip here, or a little nip there, uh, isn't a big deal. Is not a big deal. Right. I, I would have wanted to do it 
A hundred percent. And so what I'll say is like, here's the thing. I'm not going to say that I'll never do anything in my whole life. Like I'm not, I'm not going to say that. What I will say is that the decisions that I pledge to make for myself and my own appearance will be because I have sat with those for myself Uh and not because I am seeking to fit into um, a current, always changing, unattainable standard of beauty right like right. i mean We're, there's, and that's there's, there's when part I think, of that of course, of course. It, it's hard to divorce it's hard to divorce but I it think, because of course you don't live in a vacuum right but, but i you think know what, what you're saying. saying is as long as it's authentic and that's i mean that's a word that i personally just love to use when i talk to people as long as something is authentic to you and who you are on the inside you can make whatever decisions that you want to make nobody else has to agree with them you know my family doesn't love that i have tons of tattoos and a nose piercing but you know what it's my body and that's the choices that i've made but 100%. i know that those it's a are body modification that you've made right and And there are lots of people who, you know, will look at people with lots of plastic surgery as long as it's not harmful to them. Of course, like all those disclaimers who will say that they don't like that either, but they feel authentically themselves that way. Exactly. And and that's as long as you are making sure that you are doing it in a healthy way. I am not here to tell anybody what to do with their bodies. Yeah, just, I just want everyone to have the information. Everyone take care of your like, mental health. Like just period. Right. And take care of Across your mental board, health before you Across make any decisions. <laughs> and and also I will say personally and this is just a personal opinion. This is not me trying at all to be judgmental towards anyone, but I do miss seeing you the uniqueness of people's beauty of course because I feel like a lot of what we see with our celebrities right now everyone is getting the same procedures done uh-huh. you're you're being filled in the same way like filler in the same places yeah um brow lifts you know <laughs> fox eye lifts lifting the chin putting injections in the nose or getting nose jobs all of those things there's nothing inherently wrong with any of that but this single uniform look that we are starting to see emerge on social media makes me sad because what we are losing is this individuality and this uniqueness that I feel like we all have. Like I, I'm so glad I didn't have the money resources or people in my ear telling me it was okay for me to do certain things when I was a teenager because I would have gotten a nose job a long time ago. And now I look at my nose and I'm like, I like that there's a little bump in my nose. Yeah. And I like that like I I have a profile that's unique to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's who you are, you know? And I understand, of course I understand changes if they, again, if they don't feel like they fit who you are authentically, I think becoming agreed. who you are is always the most important thing. Just be safe. Yes, agreed. Agree, agree, agree. All of those things. All of the above. (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, if you have any other ideas for topics that you would like Keegan and I to cover in the future, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go to the group page and chat with your fellow listeners and go to the business page and leave a review there. And go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. Did you want to add something, Keegan? You held the microphone up like you wanted to add something. 
Oh, no, I was just ready to, to rage on at the end. Girl. Okay, sounds good. That's all we have for you today. With all of that being said, we encourage you to rage, to rage on. on. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.